following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Is that loud enough? Okay. Right. Let's open up in prayer. Lord, we're just so thankful for the work of your Spirit. We're thankful for... Um, just faithful men who are able to record your word, Lord, and again, your spirit working through them. Thankful that your word was preserved so that we can uh, gather here today and um, just be able to uh, read it, study it, reflect on you, and let uh, your word sink into our hearts. Uh, so that's our prayer this morning, Lord. I pray that we would be able to um, be affected by your word this morning. That's God in your son's name. Amen. So before we turn to our scripture this morning, I just wanted to give a little background and context to it. Uh, so we're going to be opening up to Ephesians. And for those of you who don't know, the Apostle Paul was the one who wrote this letter. Um, and this letter was to the church in Ephesus, which at the time was one of the major cities of the Roman Empire. And many people traveled here because it was home to uh, a temple to the goddess Diana. Uh, the temple was considered one of the ancient wonders of the world. And so here Paul is writing a letter to the church in an area that was known for worshiping um, different gods. And the bulk of the city was inhabited by Gentiles. And so many of Paul's letters could be broken up into two major parts. In the first part, Paul presents the gospel message to his readers. And in the second part, Paul tells his readers how to live the Christian life now that the gospel has had an effect on their life. And where we're going to open up is going to be kind of right in the middle. We're going to be looking at that transition point where he's uh, giving the gospel message to the Ephesians and also saying, how are you now to respond to that? So our scripture this morning is going to be Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to chapter 4, verse 6. So Paul writes, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effect working, uh, effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, 
in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that work that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, with uh, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were being called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. May the Lord bless our time as we study. So, as I said before, Paul's letters can be broken down into two major parts. To put it simply, the gospel and then our response. But there are so many things that are under those headings that Paul says. And so, we just read chapter 3 and a little bit of chapter 4. And it's in this section that the letter, um, Paul begins to take that uh, turning point of the gospel explaining how the believers are then to respond. And so let's dig a little bit deeper than the gospel response and see what Paul is trying to explain to the church in Ephesus. So in this uh, section, Paul writes, to help the Ephesian church have a full understanding of the mystery. And how he accomplishes this is by directly revealing what the mystery was, by explaining the purpose of the mystery, and by instructing the believers in Ephesus on how to respond to the mystery. So, Paul begins his explanation of the mystery by presenting his credibility to do so. He says that through revelation, God made known to him the mystery that had not yet been revealed, and that that mystery was for the Gentiles. We see this in Acts chapter 9. Um, we have an account of God speaking to Ananias um, when Paul is blinded at the time. God says, uh, Ananias, go seek out a man called Saul, pray over him, and that's when the scales fall from his eyes. But as he's describing the man, he says, go and do this, pray over Saul, because Saul is my chosen person to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, he was a chosen vessel of the Lord. So Paul's the man uh, to do the job, and he's going to reveal the mystery that up until then had been hidden. And in verse 6 is the big reveal. It says, so this is the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. 
So Gentiles, meaning everybody not of Jewish descent, were now included in God's plan of redemption in Christ through the gospel. Before this, the idea that Jews and Gentiles would share in the same inheritance uh, of salvation was not only hidden, but it was unthinkable. Uh, But now both Jews and Gentiles were fellow heirs. So the question is, we know what the mystery is now, but why did God uh, choose to do it this way? Why would he choose a people outside of Israel to now be included in his plan? And so Paul reveals that next. So point two is the purpose of the mystery. And in verses 8 to 13, we get our second point, which is the purpose. Revealing the purpose begins by Paul explaining his ministry focus, which was twofold. He says that he was to preach Christ among the Gentiles and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So my translation uh, in my Bible says the fellowship of the mystery. But most scholars believe that the word fellowship should be translated as administration. And I think that the point that Paul is trying to get across here, both words um, work equally as well. What Paul is trying to get across is um, that the fellowship and administration are referring to the household of God. It's now Jews and Gentiles coming together under the same, um, uh, I guess, yeah, the same inheritance and same fellowship, that they are now together and worshiping the same God. So they need to know how to conduct themselves within this household. And on top of that, there's a large cultural barrier that needs to come down because Jews and Gentiles did not look favorably on each other. And if they're going to be fellow heirs with one another and worship together, they need to learn how to love one another. So once again, we're left with the question of why. Why did God build his church this way? Why uh, Why has he chosen to include Gentiles into his household? And verse 10 has our answer to the purpose. Verse 10 says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. So what can we say about this? First off, it's clear that the church had a role in showing the manifold wisdom of God. And so here the word manifold means um, like, an in, like picture an intricate tapestry. There's a lot of different threads weaving in and out with one another, making different patterns. But if you step back, you can see the overall picture. Um, and so kind of the Lord's wisdom and the Lord's plan here is working in that way. There's a lot of different facets that now, through Paul's revelation, um, is working together. And we can now see it and read it and understand it. Um, so the church has a role in showing the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. You see, the principalities and powers, they know the glory of God, but they don't know all of his plan. They're watching it unfold as it happens. So we as a church have the role of revealing God's plan for salvation to them and to the world. And many of the world today um, don't know the intricate wisdom, glory, power, and grace of God. And one commentator says it this way. He says, the manifold wisdom of God does not refer to the redemption as such, but rather to the new relationship believing Jews and Gentiles in one body. The medium by which this wisdom is communicated is the church. So again, reflecting on now, Jews and Gentiles like didn't want to have any exchanges with one another. 
And now not only are they saying to um, converse and talk, but you're going to fellowship under the same roof with one another in love um, and worship the same God. And so, like I said, there's a lot of things that need to change and they need to know how to conduct one another or themselves. Um, so verses 14 to 21, um, Paul writes a little aside of his appreciation for the ministry or for the uh, mystery. And it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power and works in us, to him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So when I read this, I get, I mean, I get the sense, his appreciation for the ministry, there's just such a, a sweetness and a richness um, and depth into this. And so I'm going to read it one more time and try to focus on what it is he's actually expressing, expressing appreciation for. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So now we turn to chapter 4. And here's where Paul writes how the church should respond. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, Paul began by telling the church what the mystery was, then he told them the reason for it, and now he's encouraging them to live like it. Um, another way to put it is, those who were once far off being Gentiles have now be, been included in the promised plan of God, which is the plan of salvation. They have also been grafted into the household of God, which is his church. All of this was to be done that the church should make known the manifold wisdom of God to those in heaven and on earth. It is this calling that the church in all times are to walk worthy of. Furthermore, the church is to walk with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. 
as I was thinking about this, as I was studying and praying, um, just a simple like prayer came to my heart, which was, Lord, let us be servants to one another. And what I mean by that is we should be happy uh, to think more of our brothers and sisters in Christ than of ourselves. And it's not a false modesty that we should have, um, saying, you know, look how low I am or look how great I am doing serving and this and that. It should just be um, out of genuine, a heart, like uh, our heart's position, disposition should be genuine. And if we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, um, then we should want to serve one another because here we are a family and we're a family in Christ. Um, and so as Paul, I think, is kind of saying to the churches, you have this mystery revealed. Um, Jews and Gentiles are going to be together now act like it. Act like this is having an effect in your hearts. Um, so the way uh, in closing, um, I think we, we've looked at the mystery and we know that Jews and Gentiles are now supposed to be um, fellowshipping with each other and fellow heirs of the inheritance. And this directly correlates to the gospel message um, because Christ had to uh, die on the cross as he lived a sinless life in our place um, and his death appeased the wrath of God because that wrath was supposed to be for us because the penalty of sin is death but Christ died in our place re- rescued us from death um, and so it was always supposed to be in the father's plan that Gentiles would be brought into this new covenant now um, but it all had to be in his timing And so once again, in this section alone, Paul explains the good news of the mystery, the purpose of the mystery, and how we should respond. Let's pray together. Lord, we're just thankful for this mystery. Uh, Thankful that it's been revealed to us. Uh, Thankful that now um, we can be grafted into this fellowship and share in the inheritance Um, of salvation. Uh, We're thankful that um, this isn't an afterthought for your church, Lord, but it's something that you've known all along. And again, the revealing was in your timing. But Lord, you've always known that we were supposed to be grafted in. We're just so thankful for that. Uh, I just pray that, uh, again, this would have an effect on our hearts uh, that would just... uh, that our hearts would reflect that in gratitude towards you, Lord, especially as we're about to worship you again. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.